So welcome to the Rich Talk podcast. I'm your host, Amy Alexander. I'm sitting here with our mayor, Paul Volker. Thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. I always enjoy doing this kind of thing. Just how the structure is going to be. One, I'm just going to ask you one or two questions for those people who may not be as terribly familiar as I am with you, and I enjoy getting to work with you. Um, and then kind of get into what your priorities are for the year, and then we'll kind of see where things go from there. But um, one, as someone from the chamber, and so you're a past chairman of the board, a tech titan. So tell me a little bit about your background in business and with the chamber in Richardson. Yeah, so I'm a, I like to tell people I'm a product of Telecom Corridor. Got it. I literally moved here right out of college in 1983. Went to work for Hillett Packard and uh, was in the sales and marketing organization. And back in those days, companies actually trained you. So I spent 18 months right out of college learning 18, months, 18 wow. months learning all of the operating systems, databases, applications, all the different hardware that the company made and traveled all over the United States um, to their business units to learn about the products and the portfolio of solutions that the company had before I could ever even go talk to a customer or a partner or anyone like that. And so uh, my first assignments were... Uh, in the uh, oil and gas business sure. and then I moved into the defense business and uh, I moved from the defense business into the telecom business and it was kind of weird because when the oil and gas business kind of fell on bad times I, that's Which why I, that, mid 80s, mid -80s yeah. and uh, then I went to work for the defense industry and that got it was interesting but it got a little boring and uh, sorry to any of those that are out there that are in the defense industry then I, I started working with, with telecom, and my first customers were Rockwell, uh, Collins, sure. and Nortel. Sure. And uh, what was really interesting is the same engineers and the same solutions that I was selling to the oil and gas business and the defense business is what I was selling into the telecom business, which was basically a way to pull information in real time off of satellites sure. and put it into IBM mainframe databases so that the numbers could get crunched. Now in the oil and gas business, they were looking for GIS information for where maybe some oil might be. In the defense business, they were looking for long tubes. It might be missiles, um, you know, but in the telecom business, it was about being able to take that data from a satellite, put it across a, a local network, and then get it to a, a computer system that could crunch the numbers. And so it didn't matter which industry I was in, I was always doing the same thing. So I spent 29 years at Hillett Packard doing all sorts of different wow. jobs there, sales, marketing, uh, portfolio management, product management, corporate development, looking for early stage companies to invest in. That was really an interesting job, really helped position me well for economic development opportunities uh, as mayor and even you know back when I was the chair of the Chamber of Commerce. So. I, I've lived here for geez, now almost 35 years, and uh, and I've worked for HP, Ericsson, and a British company called Capita, and I'm doing independent consulting right now, uh, okay. helping companies um, that are, you know, trying to figure out what their go-to-market strategies might be. Do they have direct sales? Do they have channel sales? How do they handle channel conflict? Um, what might be the best way for them to address software as a service and migrating their technologies to the cloud and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of what I do professionally. And interestingly enough, I think it's 
kind of neat because that's so much of the business that's in Richardson yeah. that as mayor, I have a, a direct relationship and understanding of the issues that are at hand for many of the companies, whether they are communications or IT companies, or they're, let's say they're an insurance company that's been disrupted by the internet, take State Farm or Geico or people like mm-hmm. that. And how do they apply technology, IT and communications technology, so that they can be more relevant in today's marketplace? You know, it's interesting. And that's a, a kind of a, one of my questions for you is, I guess, to maybe prove a point so you can dissuade it. So are you only meeting with the big guys or do you meet with the small guys? Or are you out shaking hands? And we, what does we, that uh, do? I've always thought the best role from a mayoral standpoint is to be balanced. Sure. Um, and uh, the first time I ran for city council, I, I said, I want to be a balanced approach, residential, commercial. I want to use common sense in my approach to, to running for office. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time. You may see me in Richardson today or other publications um, out with citizens and neighborhoods. Uh, I was an HOA president sure. of, of my HOA that I currently live in. And so that's one aspect of the job. And and those are the people that actually elect us to office. So they're very, very important. But I go back with my chamber days. And I remember my first, as the chairman of the chamber, one of the things that we did back then, and Gary Slagle was the mayor at the time, we had our our mayor's monthly meeting with businesses. And the mayor would invite one, two, three businesses to go to lunch. And the mayor would be there. The city manager would be there. The president of the chamber would be there. And the chairman of the chamber would be there. And so as a chairman of the chamber, I remember going to those lunches. And I was really impressed with the fact that in an unrehearsed environment in front of multiple businesses, that are either in Richardson or looking to potentially come to Richardson, everyone in that little group there from the city's perspective could finish finish each other's sentences. And I, I think that still is true today. Um, Gary was the mayor then, I was the chairman. Now, you know, I'm the mayor in my over four years. Now we've had multiple chairmen because we have one, a new one every year. Yeah. Um, Dan Johnson is now uh, the city manager instead of Bill Keffler. Um, Bill Spruill has been the president that whole time. But uh, it's really interesting. We still today, because of our strong relationship between the city and the chamber, and and not just because of of, uh, the the partnership we have for economic development, but things like Tech Titans and Leadership Richardson, all those things really bode well for everybody at that table. When we're communicating to a business leader, um, we're all always on the same page. And as I said, we can finish each other's sentences. And those luncheons we have, yeah, we, we have it with the biggest companies that are here because sure. they're very, very important. But sometimes it's just an early, early stage company. Yeah. And, and those times we meet with them because we want to know what they need. I know what a big company wants. You know, um, they they have policies and publications that you can Google them and figure out what their priorities are. 
But an early stage company is unique, especially as it relates to what can a city do to make them successful or to help them to achieve their goals. And so I love meeting with all sizes of companies and, and all different types of companies. They, they don't all have to be high tech. Sure. Um, they can be manufacturing companies or service companies. Um, you know, we, we have a very diverse business environment today in Richardson. Thank goodness, because sure. um, unfortunately, I was the chairman of the chamber when the, the telecom bust happened. Wow. And uh, nobody wants to lose 30,000 jobs over in a community again. And, and I, you know, with a lot of good planning, um, we've diversified our portfolio of companies. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, we have a really strong economy right now. I hope it continues. And uh, our employment is higher now than it was during the peak of the telecom corridor. So it, it's, it's a neat job. I enjoy going out and meeting businesses. Sure. So would you kind of, you said all of you are on the same page. Is that true for all the city council? Would you describe it as a pro-business city council? I, I very much think traditionally and, and moving forward, we've always been thought of as a pro-business city council. We like to tell people we move at the speed of business. Mm -hmm. We never want to be the uh, obstacle in the way of a development happening or a, a company trying to achieve something, a, a facility getting built or or something like that. Um, so yeah, we, we try to make sure city staff understands that that's one of our objectives is to be business friendly. Now that you know can be misconstrued sometimes sure. um, by saying, hey, I'm business friendly. That doesn't mean that I wanna give everything away. We're very, very cautious about how we give incentives for businesses to sure. either retain them or to recruit them. Uh, we look for an ROI on any investment we make as a city with public money. Um, but much of it is simply an attitude. And businesses pick up on that. They know if, if, if you care about their success. And, you know, sadly in today's world, that's not always the case with either other cities, states, or countries. And uh, having such a diverse business environment here with international companies from all over the globe, um, I'm constantly reminded and told by these businesses how much they appreciate our approach to dealing with them. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned international. I know we, you know, work together in bringing international companies here. Is that still? I, I literally just got out of a meeting with a economic development crew here from South Korea, right. you know, yes. Um, so we are bringing companies in. From yeah, Mike Skelton, um, who is, you know, in the chamber, but serves in the uh, office of the mayor for international business activity. Uh, he and I work on, you know, just deals all the time. We, we spend a lot of time uh, in his office trying to figure out what we can put um, in place for those international businesses to be successful, whether it's uh, some of the work that he has done on uh, soft landings for companies that just are coming into the country for the first time. That could be help getting financial. Um, that could be help getting legal. Uh, that could be help just getting administrative services started for them, um, helping them find people that know that part of the business that might be in their native language. And so, 
you know, those are the types of things that between government and the chamber, we really spend a lot of time on. And, uh, and I think we reap rewards because we do that. Now, what is the rewards for bringing international companies here? Well, international companies tend to bring with them the best and brightest of their country, which is really amazing if you think about it. When you look at the diversity in our city, so much of it is actually driven because of the employers of our city. So whether you're here because your company was from France or Sweden, Canada, Taiwan, Japan, India, the employers bring the best and brightest employees. Those employees become our residents. And that diverse multicultural environment that we have, I think makes Richardson a unique community. One that I'm excited about living in. I, I've had the pleasure in my professional career of traveling the world. And I love Richardson because you don't have to have, you know, your passport to experience the world. You can do it right here in Richardson. I, I love to tell people you can eat anywhere in the world <laughs> and never leave the city limits of Richardson. But those employees that come here from those international companies, they have very high expectations. They have high expectations of city services. They have high expectations of our schools, both our ISDs and the University of Texas at Dallas is an example. And so that focus when you have those types of employers and employees coming is, uh, is a, it's a pretty important aspect of what makes Richardson unique. And the neat thing about international business too is that it kind of snowballs. So if you have an international company that has decided to move here, you, let's use a Fujitsu as an example. I, I'm literally tomorrow uh, going over to Fujitsu uh, for a breakfast with a couple of their executives from Japan who are visiting uh, Doug Moore and his team here uh, with the, uh, the U.S. Fujitsu operations that's headquartered here in Richardson. And it's our opportunity to ask them from a Japan perspective, what is it? What is it you expect in dealing with the employees and the local government of Richardson, uh, so that you maintain your presence here? And we get some really good feedback. And it is things like um, the quality of life. Um, it is things about um, having a good educational opportunity for anyone that that works at that facility. And so what is exciting though, is that at that meeting, I get to ask them, who else might you bring along? So those international businesses that kind of put a foothold in, in our community, there's always a supply chain. There's always others that are willing to sell to them, subcontract for them, um, be a part of their ecosystem. And so what I love about the international activity is all of these different various ecosystems have to come along with those international businesses. And it just makes the, you know, one business that we bring in from one country could have an impact on a dozen or more other businesses that will also come along. And so we can, we always have to be mindful of that. And those other businesses are usually small to medium sized enterprises. And, uh, and that's where the chamber does a great job also of making sure that we provide them with the types of tools or 
types of services that they, they consider important. And one of the things, though, I mean, is, especially since you're kind of selecting who you're pursuing internationally, is that you are pulling in strong companies. I mean, some of it's you're, you're, you're dating from the top, top echelon yeah. of the scale. They are the top, and it's a competitive world. And we, you know, we never can forget that. Uh, I mean, the, recently a global company headquartered in Dallas, but uh, just on our border, um, is TI. Sure. And, and that was a, you know, the expansion of that plant sure. um, here in Richardson. Um, our competition was Singapore. You know, we live in a global marketplace. And I know sometimes that's not the most popular thing to tell people um, because there's a lot of fear, I think, in the broader community sometimes about globalization, whether that be political or commercial. But the reality is it is a global marketplace. And, uh, you know, we have to be prepared to compete in that marketplace. And the good news is that's not going to change. And Richardson has a long history of competing in a global marketplace. And the more experience you get doing that, the better you're going to be at it. So I, I'm very optimistic about our ability to attract and retain international business here in Richardson. Now, that's not to say that, you know, companies that are formed and founded right here aren't fantastic. We pursue them with all the vigor that it, that it can be. Some of the things we're doing now around the innovation district, sure. I tell people that is uh, our way of turning our economic development strategy upside down. I use Google as an example and economic incentives in place to try to attract a Google. And we didn't get it. We would have loved to have. You mean Amazon? Or Amazon, I'm sorry. It's okay. The other, the other, yeah, the other one. Um, but the Amazon opportunity was one that we, we would have loved to have won. In retrospect, though, it could have put us back in a situation very similar to the telecom corridor days, sure. where we were so heavily focused in one industry. Now, that would end up being in an Amazon environment, one company. It would be like being uh, uh, in Arkansas with Walmart. Yeah. Bentonville is it's a company town. Sure. And, and I don't know if we wanted to be a company town. Sure. And instead of getting one Amazon, maybe we get 400 little Amazons. You know, for, for folks who may not understand what the Innovation District is, why don't you kind of talk through what that is? Well, there's 1,200 acres in the heart of Richardson sure. that, quite honestly, was the supply chain area for Telecom Corridor. The, the facilities there are Class B office, um, distribution-type warehouse buildings, um, what was there was uh, Ericsson, Alcatel, MCI, the, the who's who of telecom corridor. They had their, their labs, maybe some advanced manufacturing, final assembly. Um, they had some of their remote R&D offices there because, quite honestly, they were lower cost facilities than Class A offices they may have had in their corporate environments here in Richardson. When, when the bust happened, that 30,000 jobs we lost, a significant portion of those jobs was in that 1,200 acres. Yeah. That's south of Campbell, just a little bit south of Arapahoe, from the Dart Station at Arapahoe to Plano Road. Mm -hmm. If you add all that up, it's 1,200 acres. It's, it's uh, 
an area that is extremely competitive for especially early stage companies because you can you can lease a space there at a pretty aggressive cost point. Mm -hmm. Now what we need to do and what we've been doing with the chamber and the council this summer, we're doing a lot of work on council around rezoning that area. We need to create a, an environment there that will be business friendly, especially for those smaller enterprises, um, early stage companies, even uh, one man shops. Um, we want to create an environment that is uh, more walkable, uh, bike friendly. We want to have, put in some residential that will be a, what we call live work. Maybe you have an apartment upstairs and you have a, an office environment or a lab environment that may be yours or it may be a common area that's shared by other companies downstairs. Mm -hmm. um, we, we're trying to put all that in place right now and attract those early stage companies that will be kind of the heart and soul of the community five years, 10 years, 30 years from now. Uh, who knows, it, it, you know, it could be an Amazon that, uh, that gets created here. But I, I sense a younger audience with that, and I think some of that's gonna be fed by, and I've, we talked to Manasseh Durkin about what's going on at the core, which right. is our Main Street kind of thing. Does that play into that? Side? It absolutely does. It, it, I'd love to tell you that Bill Spruill and I planned this from day one. <laughs> We just take credit. Uh, we just take credit for it. I, I jokingly tell people that if you would have told me even 10 years ago that right around this civic center, the Heights neighborhood and some of the neighborhoods we have would be a hot spot for millennials, I probably would have chuckled. But what's really interesting is kids today, and I, I put kids 20, <laughs> 24 to 35, you know, that, that, that that new generation workforce, they don't want to live in mom and dad's house. Yeah. They want to live in grandma and grandpa's house. And that's redone. What, <laughs> redone, but but it's smaller footprint, uh, tree-lined streets, walkable to a neighborhood park, great schools, and close to employment. They view that, that mid-century modern. Uh, you know, I remember thinking, oh, I hate that. <laughs> You know, the millennials love mid-century modern. I grew up in that, and I'm thinking, I don't want to live in what I grew up in. Well, they didn't grow up in that, yeah. but they know their grandparents may have yeah. grown up in that. And and you're right, you can put uh, modern appliances and air conditioning systems and all sorts of things in these houses. And as I'm constantly told about our appraisal of property value, um, that these, these are hot yeah. commodities right now. So that workforce, this looking for, unlike me, when I got out of college, I went to work for a Fortune 100 company and spent 29 years there. Today's graduate may not even go to work for a company. If they do, they're more likely to have 29 other companies they work for than the one I worked for in 29 years. Yeah. And so having an environment in the innovation district that can attract that workforce is every bit as important as putting the infrastructure and the city services and working for a business association hand in hand with the chamber, it really does matter because what differentiates companies in the future is intellectual capital. Mm -hmm. And where does intellectual capital come from but the employees? Mm -hmm. 
So if you need to find the best and brightest, I want that PhD student from UT Dallas to want to live in the innovation district and create their product, their service, their idea. And when it becomes successful, then it can move over to the Heights, raise a family and stay here as a resident and as a business owner. And that's turning the economic development strategy upside down, where you care about what does the next generation company look like and what does the next generation workforce look like mm -hmm. and create an environment that is well suited for both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're planning all elements of it. Yeah. yeah. The entire thing. It, it's, it's um, you know, we didn't have that much planning put into creating the telecom corridor. We were, we took advantage of every opportunity that was given us. And we'll do that again as we, you know, look to the future. But I'm really excited about some of the planning that's going in. Um, and, and, hey, we're not the smartest people in the world. And we'll steal any good idea. And, and Bill and the team, uh, Brian Marsh and the team, they've traveled all over the United States to look at other innovation districts. What's worked? What hasn't? What's the role of government sure. in this environment? How much should government participate? How much should it cost? What do we expect out of the private sector? Um, what do we expect out of our institutional partners like uh, universities, like healthcare, um, like uh, other people that can bring so much value to the table that creates that ecosystem that we're going to? So I'm so excited that so much planning has been put into this. And I, I to be candid with you, that's one of the reasons I want to be mayor is I want to see this vision fulfilled. Now, what kind of time frame are we looking? Because I, I heard twenty twenty for like the core, possibly. Yeah. Well, we create uh, the core is what what is happening downtown. I like to tell people we have all sorts of places that we've also created, not just the innovation district. So, think of places like City Line. Sure, that's a live work play. I mean, we have the two parks that we opened up at City Line and the nature area that we uh, that we added there uh, just a few years ago. It's still probably the most, no matter how long I'm on council, that vote to buy that 60 plus acres sure. to complete the Spring Creek nature area will be the most important vote that I have ever made and probably ever will make. But we created that place called City Line. Mm -hmm. um, we have the north side, which is what I call live work study. That's, yeah. that's, you know, just north of UT Dallas. And it's, it's exciting because whether you're a faculty or whether you're uh, a student, um, having a real college experience now, the north side is going to really help facilitate that. If you look at Gallatin and Palisades, I call that live, work, perform. That's right next to the Eisman Center. I want to create an environment there that is about performance so that it's a destination, that people sure. will want to live close to that. If you go all the way down to Spring Valley, uh, in our Spring Valley uh, district work, that's what's going to be the hub of what we call the design center. That's why Fossil moved down there. Yeah. That will be the anchor for a design environment. So if you're an architect or if you have a design firm uh, for products, I want you to think about putting your business down there. And I want the creative types to live in that environment so that you have that place, you know, that you can live, work and design. 
you know, the core is going to be about community. Sure. It's downtown. And, uh, and so, you know, that's going to be a live, work, engage. It, it's about having the city really have a, have a, a central place that, that people can say that's downtown and that's the core. The innovation district that we were discussing earlier is also going to have that mixed use environment. So you'll be able to live there. And I call that live, work, invent. I want the, the creative inventors to live in that area. So all of these places, they have their own characteristic, their own kind of environment, their own types of people that might want to live there. And uh, that's, I think, really exciting is that we can help through the planning that the council does and the work that we collaborate with the chamber on, we can create these environments that that will be attractive to not just citizens that are here now, but citizens that may want to come here and that they can look at those different places and say, where would I want to put my business or where would I want to live? And oh, by the way, we still have some absolutely fantastic neighborhoods, all over 75 homeowner associations, neighborhood associations. And, and I can promise you, I like council, we get to go to the monthly meetings and talk to all those HOA presidents and board members, they are all so proud of their little communities and, and, and that pride of ownership and that sense of neighborhood uh, exists in such a strong way in Richardson that that residential environment is also so important to attracting business. It's so fabulous because you're so excited about it. And I think that there's something to be said for there's a history in Richardson and a proud history, yeah. and yet we're really taking it to the next step. And and one of the things um, I've heard from you, and I, I think diversity being some of it, we have a lot of the international folks coming in, um, but I think you want participation from people. Yeah. I mean, not only your enthusiasm, but how do you get more people to get engaged in the process? Engagement, especially from multiple cultures, are is a challenge that all cities are faced with right now. We are because we have such a diverse community. And, you know, I forget what the latest numbers are. 19%, I think, of Richardson is uh, Asian. That includes the subcontinent, India. Um, about 20% is uh, uh, Latino. Um, about 20% is African-American. And then, you know, you throw South America maybe and a couple of other aspects of uh, different countries. I'm really interested in seeing what the 2020 census brings us, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we'll be over 115,000 people that live here. Yeah. And I believe that white guys like me sure. will be in the minority. Sure. I think we'll flip over that 50% number and we will be um, between those various diverse groups. Um, it, it's going to be a really culturally and ethnic diverse environment. My personal opinion is I'm excited for that future. I, um, I'm often asked whether it's as mayor or in, in my product management days, what's the advantage of having a diverse workforce? And in my work environment, I would tell people, when you're sitting around a conference room table 
and you're part of a global business and you're creating products and services for a global marketplace, you've got to create those products or services that'll solve a problem someone has. And I need people that'll sit around the table that will approach that problem from various directions, will think at it, do critical thinking in different ways, and a diverse workforce allows for that. So I tell businesses when they're thinking about coming to Richardson, you want that in your workforce. You want that diverse background doing your planning, your product and service identification. You want them doing the outreach to that marketplace. It's a very diverse marketplace. I tell people that you can bring your company to Richardson. Not only can you have that diverse workforce working on your product, you can actually, in effect, do an international test right here in the city because you've got people living here that you may be trying to build products for or services for that maybe they speak Spanish or maybe they're from France or maybe they are Indian from the subcontinent. And that ability to do market research along with having your employees participating in a very creative environment that, uh, that takes advantage of diversity. You don't have to give me a diversity quota. I want it so that I can make better products and services. Got it. Got it. Well, I think we're almost out of time. Do you have any wrap-up thoughts? Well, it, it is. I mean, I feel it, like we just got started. No, so we can always come back. I enjoy being again. mayor. I tell people that the neat thing about being the mayor of Richardson is, as we discussed, we have some fantastic companies sure. that are here, and I get to meet with them. We have really good school districts and colleges and universities that service this city. And I remind people that we have over 400 nonprofits that are actually here in Richardson. Yeah. They're, they're, they're headquartered here. That doesn't mean, I mean, we have other nonprofits that are, you know, regional or national or international based also that are viable that are here. So I say on a weekly basis, I get to meet the best, the brightest, and the most giving people. I get to do that every week. Who wouldn't want to be mayor? It's a great job. <laughs> a great so job. I, 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 my mayor's door is always open. Just call sure. and let's set an appointment up. Come visit me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for visiting with us today. Yeah. And um, I am going to call you back later. We'll get back with you and right. see how things are going in about six months. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye.